Hi everyone, Pamela Log here, your host of the Energy Transitions podcast. If you enjoy listening to our bi-weekly podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button and take a moment to leave a rating or review wherever you're listening. This will help us spread the message and connect with our community. Thanks again for listening to the Energy Transitions podcast from Inlet and Friends. In the face of rising energy prices and a variety of economic challenges, companies are increasingly aware of the importance of maximizing their assets by recovering and regenerating assets where possible. It's a deliberate and strategic shift from a linear to a circular economy that makes the most of our planet's resources. And for businesses, it makes pure economic sense. To map the obvious and the more obscure benefits of a circular asset management strategy, I'm joined by Paolo Perani, as well as Stuart Thompson from ABB. I'm Pamela Log, and this is the Energy Transitions Podcast. Welcome, Paolo. Welcome, Stuart. It's an absolute pleasure to have you joining us today. And we're talking about something really important. In fact, it's a hot topic, and that is sustainable business models. Paolo, would you care to comment on this topic for us? I'd be pleased to. So I would say that companies, now they are affected by these uh, energy prices or the uh, fluctuations on the energy prices. They can start taking ownership of their own energy use and actually their own emissions. So one of the ways that we see engaging with customers more and more is that uh, their customers are taking care of their own productions of at least a portion of their own energy, specifically electricity. And one of the things, the easiest thing for them is to cover their roofs or their factories, storage areas and parking lots with solar panels. If they cannot, they start looking into this power purchasing agreement to make sure that the electricity prices are some sort of stable. And at the same time, they got green electricity with stable and competitive prices. We have done the similar approach in our ABB factories. In some cases, we invest on our own roof. In some cases, we sign off power purchasing agreement. And I really would like to share the results. So we make our own green electricity and the price for it is even cheaper than purchasing the electricity from the network. So we can really bring in and take this one as a real opportunity to decarbonize our own businesses. Stuart, in terms of your perceptions of industry trends, are companies really starting to embrace sustainability as as a strategic goal? Yeah, look, I think that, you know, as we think about the throwaway culture and that of the, the 80s and 90s and building bigger and better things were happening. And then in the 20s, a real sharp focus talked around global consumption and having an environment and the society uh, taking focus. We could really sort of start to see that the planet's material resources weren't enough for what we needed. Um, And as we look at the OECD figures out for 2.3 times the planet's material resources are gonna be needed by 2040, If companies continue on this rate of consumption, 
And this is a frightening statistic and clearly unsustainable for the economy. So companies are looking at this from a, a resourcing standpoint. They're looking at it from just pure economics of where we go from here and how long is it possible for us to continue to consume. So making this a strategic direction for the companies to minimise the amount of consumption, recovering and, and regenerating from the products they have and maximising the use of the asset's life is extremely important for them. These costs are going to go up and continually go up. And we even saw that, you know, in the last 18 months with energy costs going through the roof, sustainable energy costs and encouraging companies to put electrical power distribution assets under closer scrutiny. And like Paolo just said, we in ABB have not just look at buying carbon credits, but look at actually committing and putting renewable infrastructure in place so that we can offset our own consumption and then look at those electrical assets that we have and using modernization and intelligence to continue to do it. So I think companies are doing it. It's just a question of helping them and helping them understand how to and what the tools and that are available for them to continue to develop down these paths. I really do agree with what uh, Stuart just said. So company will have to take more ownership of their own emissions to become more sustainable. And they need to actually to screen themselves from these fluctuating energy prices. In MBB, I think we did it. So I really like to stress on the Stuart point. So we, we address this aspect very, very seriously. And I'm simply proud to share that over the last four years, and that is official on our sustainability report, we were able to reduce our scope one and scope two emissions by 67%. So this is why I'm so confident in saying that taking ownership of their own emission truly delivers result. I've seen it happening. I see the enthusiasm and the passions about it. And that is a good step. It's not enough because it's not only look at the factories, but also at the, at the goods that we are producing. So we need to reduce the energy waste going towards zero waste to landfill. And at the same time, we need to look at the entire life of the products, the entire life cycle, the life cycle, including the end of life. You can't have to throw away culture, as you mentioned. There are other opportunities for at least the industrial product. Maybe, Stuart, you want to talk on that? Yeah, look, I think there's plenty of examples, right, of how you can extend the life of the asset you know, running a piece of electrical equipment to the point of failure doesn't make any sense anymore. I mean, it can cost you 10 times the amount of doing just regular maintenance and extending that life of the asset and productivity of the electrical assets through regular maintenance programs, um, in addition to avoiding the impact of buying new equipment and putting it in place. But even towards the end of the life cycle, there's in electrical assets, the majority of that electrical asset, the steel, the copper, um, the metalwork, that's more than 50% of that electrical asset, which is still good. It's the intelligent devices that are aging and that can be even more intelligent in the future. So you can replace or retrofit that, re-extend the life of that asset another 20, 30 plus years for the customer plus bring the latest level of digitization and intelligence 
to make informed decisions about the flow of your electricity, the management of that electricity, the management and maintenance of those assets to make them even last longer and perform better and ultimately more safely as well. So all of that's super important to production, throughput, output for companies and ultimately productivity and profitability. So it will translate not only into benefits financially for the company, but also give that sustainable benefit to the world and to the planet, which we're all looking for at the end of the day. That makes sense, Stuart. And I think, Paolo, before I hand back to you, that is a mindset change where you're actually incorporating that sustainability or circularity principle uh, within an asset management environment. Are you finding that there is more of that mindset change, uh, Paolo? I do see it. So I, I can only agree with that one. And I see it at the factory emission level, but also on the product level of sustainability. Stuart were mentioning the monitoring, the management. So uh, let me turn it in this way. So at the university, we learned that you cannot improve if you cannot measure something. And in my case, I can tell you that I've worked on sustainability since four years all the way. It is proving right every single day. When you study the sustainability performance of our products, you can see that quite often the bulk of the emissions are not created in your own factory, but are created before the component and the raw material reaches your factory. So at the supply side, then we need to work together with them and we can see an incredible amount of customers, suppliers, where we engage with to support them to reduce their emission or switch to alternative production technologies that are more sustainable. Or from our side, we can maximize the efficiency of our product, or we can push them to maximize the use of secondary raw material or more circular material, improving the circularity of the industry that we are working in. I really see this trend very clearly, and we are heavily engaged with our customers and suppliers toward this combo goal, because it's really a common goal. So you are a supplier, to somebody and at the same time you're a customer to somebody else. And I really like this common goal and, and in going all the way through the supply chain to deliver the same story. And I, honestly, to be honest with you, it's, it's fun to work with this. And I think that it should be easier to get more young people and more talent excited about it, that they really want to spend their energy and their passions and their knowledge in greening the entire supply chain and actually even supporting us to make products that are using more secondary raw material and at the end of life to take all the possible like the retrofitting ways and means to make the product live longer. I believe it is nice for uh, those talents to start directly engaging and be the actor of the decarbonization process in our industry. Yeah, Pamela, I'd agree with Paolo there. Maybe it's a benefit that some companies haven't seen yet, but definitely within ABB is, you know, as we're pushing those innovation envelopes, it's really important for us to get the right partners and the right talent on board in our organisation. And I can say to you that almost every young talent I talk to out of the best universities in the world is they want to join ABB because of our sustainability missions. It's something that resonates with them. It's something they want to be a part of. And not only is it helping us financially drive the company's performance, 
but it's also helping us recruit and develop some of the best minds into the organization because traditionally some of these electrical industries haven't been the coolest or the latest with all the computing and, and, and communications and technology areas but traditional power engineering as the world continues to electrify and electrification is seen as a, a sustainable way for the planet to develop is that younger talent want to move into the industry and want to come and join companies that are working both upstream and downstream to drive sustainable benefits. So I just think that's an intangible benefit for companies as we do push down this this avenue of uh, investment and focus. That's absolutely fascinating to think about how sustainable business models attract talent less tangible, but certainly not less important. Paolo, you wanted to comment. Yeah, because the Stuart made a very, very clear point when he said that our technology, electrical engineering was not cool some time ago. I can tell you that this is why we call ourselves the silent enabler of the energy transition. Nobody talks about the network. You know, let's assume that you and me, Pamela, I mean, we open up a new hydrogen production center. It will be so easy to get a public official to call into New York, to cut the ribbon and to make a big story out of it. It will be the same story when we open up a wind park. So they make the news that one. It will be impossible to find somebody to celebrate opening of a new substations of the network because they are not cool enough, but they are really the silent enablers. So there's no way to get energy out of a wind turbine if you don't have the switch gear, the network, and then all the product that we develop. It's impossible to gather the energy from uh, solar panels without the electricity network. And it is impossible to feed and to charge your electric vehicle without it, or even supply your house with the energy needed to run your heat pumps that are far more efficient. So that's why we call ourselves the silent enablers. So it's one of the things that doesn't make it to the news, but without it, there's simply no way that the decarbonization will take place. Well, I think it's quite cool, and I'm sure our listeners will too. So I'm really pleased that we're having the opportunity to talk about these silent enablers. ABB's obviously done quite a lot of market research into how businesses are becoming more sustainable and embracing these less talked about strategies. I'd like to discuss that for a moment, specifically the Energy Insights Survey, which I will include a link to below. Stuart and Paolo, I'd like to talk about the the findings of the survey and if it's reinforcing the trends that we're seeing in terms of improved asset management strategies and sustainability model adoption. Paolo, let's start with you. I think that really the result of this research is encouraging that we are actually working on the right path, especially this uh, more than 2,000 business leaders that have been survived worldwide, more than 90% of them they will say that they're aware or afraid, I would say, from the energy cost fluctuations and the continuity of service for the electricity in order to run their plan. You know, I think that everything that we discussed today, it goes in line with that one. So if every single company of those business leaders are taking ownership of their own emissions, they are starting to look into possibility to, to run it in a more efficient way, they look the assets that they have and they see if they actually extend their durations, maybe with retrofitting, with the proactive maintenance and something, they are all coming together, those things. So they can get 
with the solar panel on the roof, they can secure at least a portion of the price. And that energy that is with a secure price, it is normally cheaper than the one you can get from the network. And that energy is green. So they are still walking the talk. If then also look not only at their factory, but if I look also about their products, they monitor the uh, environmental performance of their product, they will find so many things to improve. Again, if you don't measure, there's no way that you can improve. So this, they need to look at the measure their own efficiency in the factory, and we can do a lot to monitor, to get, to install uh, meters and everything. So we have the know-how and the and technology for that. So we can help them on the factory, and we can also support them when it comes to the product. And together, we can share experiences on how to green the supply chain of our product. So I think that the result of this survey, I think it is... Uh, reassuring us that we can contribute to the overall decarbonizations of our industries. Thank you, Paolo. Stuart, would you like to weigh in? So, Pamela, I think um, from the survey standpoint that there is a lot of concern about energy prices and security delaying the progress of climate change. You know, and with the carbon reduction commitments, becoming a lower priority and before prioritisation and reducing energy costs. But over half of business leaders surveyed said the cost of energy could delay achieving their sustainability and carbon reduction targets by anywhere up from one to five years. And four out of five were concerned about security of energy supply, with over half highlighting the impact on their decarbonisation goals. But if you listen to what both Paolo and I were talking about, about what ABB were doing, by us taking control and ownership, we took control of our own energy supplies and our own footprint in that area whilst decarbonising. The good news is, is that technology is there for us to address these challenges and to protect the business and the energy insecurity that people see today whilst meeting their sustainability targets. So it shouldn't be an excuse, if you like, these energy challenges. And by owning that, we can address it. If I can pivot slightly to looking at some case studies that you might want to highlight, where you feel these principles have really been demonstrated, where challenges uh, to implementation have been overcome, where you can really see the benefits of implementation. Paolo, let's start with you. So the fact that we start measuring and addressing all the emissions that are going to the atmosphere, you know, the gases releases or burning of methane of your company fleet, the start that you really measure, you see the impact, you get ownership of those things and you act in a completely different way. It's simply breaking the barriers. The way you run your company in your factory is important for the financial, for the customer view, for the product view. So you need to add that sustainability is as important of, as the financial aspects. And that actually, it makes it happen immediately. So you measure, you identify. So let me give you a few examples. In a factory in China, in Xiamen, we have a huge factory with perfect flat roof. We installed 100,000 square meters of solar panel, picking 12.3 megawatt peak. It has always been there. We simply didn't cover it earlier. So we did it, we signed off this power purchasing agreement. It was not our 
capex, but it became an opex. And it, it didn't because a cost, it became a saving because our electricity bill is actually far lighter than it was before, and the energy is green. We did the same thing in Nashik, in India, with, with the monitoring that uh, Stuart Thompson was mentioning before. So we actually monitor even old factories like the one that we have in Italy, in Dalmine, and we started to identify savings that they've always been there, but we never seen them because we didn't measure. So we found out that there was a leaking piping system for the air, but everything was perfectly insulated. We didn't hear any noise. And that compressor was running 24 hours during even the weekend. So we start monitoring and actually find it out and we fix it. We found out that there was a huge energy need for the lights and everything. So we replaced it. So it is so nice to measure, to identify the efficiency, and then you jump on it and it actually gives you quite a lot of satisfactions, honestly, because you see the number and you see that you can make the change. That is done at the factory. At the product level, same story. We look at, at our products in a different way. We start looking at the LCA life cycle assessment and we look at the number and say, we can do it better. Okay. Look at the impact of those components on the manufacturing phase. Look at the impact of uh, this technology of this current path into the, the efficiency on that one. So I'm pleased to share with an example. So with the new generations of gas insulated switch gear, compared with the old one, we have 15 less percent still. We have 30% less losses. So we improve all the aspects of the life cycle assessment. I can tell you it is nice and cool to see. And I think you make it very clear, Paolo, that it all starts with that mindset shift of saying, let us look at our processes. We can do this better. You start to measure it and start to implement and actually see the change. Stuart, would you like to add anything? Yeah, well, let me maybe give you two external examples of where I've seen customers really take this to heart and apply it in a practical kind of application. So if I go to Finland and I look at the two biggest hydropower plants located up in the Arctic Circle that are operated by Kimyoki Oi, they wanted to upgrade these dated air circuit breakers, you know, these vacuum technology today but in the in the older days these breakers were medium voltage uh, sf6 uh, switch breakers and these two plants they're 11 megawatts of output they're covering about 10,000 homes between them and what they had were products that didn't meet the strict environmental diversification program for the customer so they came to ABB and said, you know, what can we do about these SF6 breakers? They're starting to age, they do their job, but environmentally they're not performing. So we, we took a variation of the VD4 breaker. We developed a, a retrofit to go directly in and replace. And these breakers um, not only perform better and faster in short circuit faults, they directly replace the SF6 product. They're using a vacuum for extinguishing instead of harmful SF6 gas. The retrofit meant there was minimum downtime and, and reduced work and disruption. And Kimyoki Oi, they, they're a great example of an operator embracing a circular economy. The project demonstrates the integral role of strong servicing partnership where they can play in helping companies achieve sustainable goals. 
the retrofit solution achieved because of close working relationship and advisory services from ABB together with them to come up with these bespoke designs. Another example, maybe on a low voltage side in the US, we all know about the pressures on microchip production in the last 18 months. And that put a lot of pressure on Intel and their production lines over in the US. And in doing that, the loads and the um, facility infrastructure go up greatly. And as a result, the arc incident energy on the equipment they had legacy installed started to become operating at unsafe operation levels. So Intel came to us with a safety concern and asked our services team to do power system studies again and look at an option of modernizing the former GEAKD switchgear, recommending to upgrade and put in the latest technology of ABB air circuit breakers. More than 50% of that switchgear footprint was not replaced. It was just reused and the life extended. And the advanced monitoring and diagnostics driving predictive maintenance, maximizing uptime and reliability, and the incremental CO2 consumption replacing the existing switchgear and loss of production downtime was avoided. And at the end of the day, the facility and the infrastructure extended its life for another 30 years. It did a lot for the company. What started out as a safety sustainability issue became a, a real success story and something that will really continue on. Thank you, Stuart. Those were great illustrations. Paolo, did you want to add anything? So we really would like, and we are starting to design the products to make them easier to be recycled. So uh, it, in the past, it was designed for manufacturing, designed for automation. Now we're looking into design for disassembly, DFD. So we will make it easier at the end of life to whoever will be the owner to disassemble our product, to improve and to increase the recyclability rate. That is really circularity, I would say. Gents, we are coming to the end of our discussion. Unfortunately, I feel like we are just scratching the surface. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share or emphasize with our listeners before we, we close our discussion? Uh, Stuart, let me start with you. Yeah, thanks, Pamela. Look, I, I just want to encourage everybody to at least take a step forward in the right direction around sustainability. L look in your own backyard first, and then if you need help, reach out for it. There's heaps of people out there that want to help. There are heaps of opportunities out there. It is economically viable for you to do it. And as Paolo said, we can all make a difference at the end of the day. So at ABB, we walk the talk and, and we drive it ourselves, um, but we do want to help others achieve the same results. So please just step forward and do it. Thank you. Paolo, any final thoughts? I think I would really would like to leave the final thoughts for the for the students. I've been working with a lot of students in university and the message that I'm sharing with them is the one I really would like to use now to close the call to say, there is really a space in sustainability to make things and to be the act of the decarbonization. There are actually there's space for everybody who wants to engage into this and it is extremely rewarding and you learn a lot. You think that you are like in Disneyland of the engineers because you see 
all the technology and everything, and you have got the freedom to change things. Because if we carry on doing the things that we are doing now with the linear economy, we will not achieve that one. So nobody in sustainability will tell you we always done like this, and that is the best. You can challenge everything. And I think for young talents and engineers, it is simply just a dream job. Well, what an encouraging note to end on. Jens, thank you so much for joining me, for sharing your insights, your passions and your wisdom. Uh, And I'd like to thank our listeners for joining. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this Energy Transitions podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. Visit enlit.world for more episodes. See you next time.